The world is evolving at a faster pace than ever before. And as we begin the path to recovery after worldwide disruption, this podcast explores how the design industries can adapt to changing expectations and create a better future for both your businesses and your consumers. I'm Bethan Ryder, Editorial Director here at WGSN. You're listening to Create Tomorrow, the WGSN podcast. As some parts of the world have already left lockdown and others are looking forward to emerging as vaccine programmes roll out, the prospect of life as we once knew it looks like it may soon be in sight. So we're here to ask what's next for fashion. Over the past year, it's felt like stalemate. In our groundhog existence, rarely has fashion seemed so, well, pragmatic. We've seen sweatpants, puffer coats, wellies and walking boots selling out across the globe, while our heels, our tailored workwear and dresses are gathering dust. So what does emerging from lockdown mean for fashion from a product perspective? We're here to take stock of all things sartorial for the consumer and women's wear in particular. Today I'm joined by some of my expert colleagues at WGSN to discuss the post-pandemic fashionscape. How do categories from workwear to occasion and party wear evolve? What are the opportunities for the outdoor market in fashion? And not forgetting the big question, what happens next to loungewear? Let me introduce our guests today. First up, we have Sara Maggioni, our head of women's wear. Hi, Sara. Where are you calling in from today? Hi, Bethan. I'm, I'm calling from London. We also are joined today by Sophia Martinelli, who's our content lead for Use Fashion, our Brazilian-based trend forecasting business. So where exactly in Brazil are you calling from, Sophia? I'm calling from Sao Paulo. So finally, back to the UK, and we have Sara Gasper, our head of data analytics in northeast London. What's your choice of home uniform, Sara? Hi, Bethan. I'm wearing knitted trousers and a slouchy cardigan. Oh, that is so on trend. I feel like that's something we're going to be talking about, like knitted uh, fabrics and um, slouchy things. So uh, let's dive in today. I think the big question is, um, I've just not been out of sweatpants. Um, A lot of velour, uh, joggers, and as someone uh, the other day from WGSN described it, they hadn't worn a hard pant in a year. But as we emerge from this homebound period, I wonder where is fashion for women heading and what's going to happen to um, loungewear? So I think we'll kick off with you. And I'm going to call you Sarah M for this podcast, Sarah, because we've got two Sarahs here. So what's next? Is our yearning for tactile cosseting fabrics going to continue? Where are we going with fashion? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, it's we are not going to be wearing uh, sweatpants forever. I'm sure you are pleased. Many would be pleased uh, to hear that because they have truly created that kind of visual fatigue. We're, We're a bit tired now. I think we need something different. But of course, they are not going to completely disappear. Um, if I think with my kind of commercial head on, that category is not going to grow as fast as it has so far, but it is going to be bigger. So cut and sew, loungewear, sleep, uh, Sarah, Sarah G will probably um, say more about this. Uh, but we are experiencing, we are seeing, we are expecting uh, new iterations of loungewear, for example, moving away a little bit from the volume and the more kind of casual looks typical of um hoodies and sweatpants in favor of something a little bit sassier, a bit bit more bodycon, more details. And color is going to pick up again, for sure. We've had many seasons of beige. People are really rediscovering the mood enhancing properties of color and that idea of dopamine dressing. I think in general, it goes back to the fact that, you know, comfort will be 
embedded into product a lot more. It doesn't necessarily mean sweatpants, but in general. And another really important thing is that we are going to have a duality, a balance. And that was very clear on the latest catwalks. Escapism was very high on the agenda, particularly for Gen Z, um, but also for the older generation as well, for the older demographic who's really eager to go back to, to, to live again, essentially. So we're going to see this balance of, of both. Yeah, exactly. I did... Um read a great quote that said that um, comfort will no longer be separate from fashion. People think of fashion often as not being comfortable and having to kind of suffer for fashion, but actually comfort and fashion are going to go hand in hand more and more. I wonder, Sarah G, if we could bring you in there actually about that and um, tell us from the sort of data, what's the story and what are the hero categories looking to be for autumn, winter 21, 22? Um, Sure. So, yeah, I think it's no surprise that lounge, sleep and active um, were the hero categories of uh, the past autumn, winter. And we've seen this across all our data sources, both from the supply and demand point of view. Um, and to Sarah's point as well, I, I think the interest for lounge will continue as um, it's a lifestyle trend and it takes a lot of boxes because it's versatile and it's appealing to all demographics. Um, and we know we'll be spending more time at home than in 2019, but how big can loungewear get? I think, um, you know, the the renewed focus on comfort will remain, but retailers shouldn't expect the same level of interest post-pandemic. And um, the sweet spot lies between these two time periods. I'm excited for the newness in the knitwear category and how retailers are going to incorporate these comfort-led features um, into other categories beyond the sweatband, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've been reading some interesting things about... Um, sort of innovation in, in knitwear fabrics and that moving into other categories. There's a lot going on there, I think. So I think, Sophia, how do you see this playing out in Brazil and the wider, uh, wider Latam region? I think your um, winter begins in June, so you're a little bit different to us, but what do you think? Yeah, we're a little behind. And even uh, during the winter, our region's a lot warmer. So, of course, we'll, st- uh, we'll, st- we'll expect to see loungewear composed by sweatsuits and knitwear, uh, like the girls were talking about. But we are also noticing an increased interest in sets that would otherwise be reserved for the beach or for vacations. So things that are very printed and very colorful, I think the renewed interest in color for the Latin region is especially important because we are a region that adores color. Uh, and prints as well. So we can definitely expect to continue to see this set, this printed sets. There's a brand here in Sao Paulo called Calma that does this very well. Um, I agree with Sarah M. I think we'll see a lot more of lighter knitwear or bodycon uh, knitwear that again, especially for Brazilians, make a lot more sense since we don't need that level of uh, warm clothes. Um, yeah, so this is something to, to expect. I'm going to move now from, which is a little strange, from the beach to the office, because I think talking about sort of coming out of the sweatpants, I am stumped as to how things will pan out in offices. I mean, I've just bought a sweatshirt dress myself and I'm thinking, will that work in the office with trainers? Um, Will we all be dressing like Dress Down Fridays? Um, I think there's some interesting things we've been tracking here about work leisure. Um, And there's some data you've got, Sarah G, about this and how uh, retailers are sort of 
reacting and, and what they're going to be doing with, with workwear, with incorporating comfort. Yeah, definitely. And I think retailers were quite quick to react to this, at least from the communications point of view. We saw early on mentions of comfort um, increasing within product names and descriptions, particularly within the tailoring category. Um, we've also seen introduction of elasticated waists and other um, comfort-led features. Something I, I wanted to point out as well is that from our consumer survey uh, tool barometer, we saw people browsing and buying products to be at home, which is obvious. But later on, we also saw um, an increase of uh, people browsing and buying products to wear to work. So I think this kind of tells us that there's really a space for a new working wardrobe that is a bit more relaxed and comfy and that consumers can wear um, both at home and in the office. Yeah, should we talk a little bit about what some of those products are looking like, Sarah M? Uh, I've been reading a little bit um, on our site about things like tapered uh, trousers, so you've got sweatpants that are kind of a little bit more tapered, a bit smarter for work. Um, what kind of things are you seeing there emerging? Yeah, the war, the whole work leisure is going to be massive because even even though many of us will go back to the office at some point, it's obvious that the, the scenario will be slightly different Um We've already seen big tech companies uh, kind of saying to their employees that they can work from home forever if they want to. We've seen various um, surveys. Uh, I know I've read a lot of surveys that kind of say that people like the idea of mixing it up a little bit. So it's clear that the whole home and leisure is increasingly blurred and therefore the new lifestyle narratives of a post-pandemic world will definitely flavor, uh, favor a more flexible approach to dressing. Um, as Sarah said, you know, anything that looks good enough to go out, but it's comfortable enough to stay in is going to thrive. So comfort is king. It's all about that hybridization of product, of categories. It's about, you know, your suit, your, your jeans, your underwear, bras, your shirts, anything that normally has structure. It's about making, embedding comfort into them. It's not, yes, elasticated waists, absolutely, but it's also um, lighter weight materials for tailoring, for example. Um, so that idea of work, work leisure, uh, low-key pleasure looks, flex leisure, uh, something that we've called out recently. So those leisure wear ranges that have that kind of sport look without looking to, to athleisure. So think about top weights uh, with a lo-fi uh, athletic feel, but combined with perhaps tailored chinos, relaxed trenches. So it's that idea of hybrid dressing that is definitely going to continue and is going to not just now, but as I said, post-pandemic, um, it, it, that idea of flexibility. Just think about the sneakers a few years ago. It seemed impossible for like, you know, men within a more formal attire to wear sneakers and then it became quite the norm. The fashion sneakers became quite the norm. So it's kind of similar in that sense. That more relaxed look is going to continue. And around this, um, you're saying, talking about the hybrid hybridization, um, I was reading that, you know, it wouldn't be so much a blazer that you might wear, but a shacket or something that's sort of like somewhere between, like a relaxed version of um, of that. Yeah, absolutely. Or knitted blazers, for example. Uh, we are seeing a lot of development in jersey, cut and sew, so jersey wear with a, with a bit more of a formal look and structure. Um, so again, embedding comfort, but keeping the silhouette still quite formal and put together. Mm -hmm. 
And and Sophia, is that um, something, I don't know what stage you're at, whether you're going back into office, I know you're at home at the moment, is are people in um, Brazil sort of going in some days of the week or what's the situation there with it's, working at the moment? It's a bit messy because we were, we were pretty open until uh, a couple of weeks ago. Sao Paulo, which is where I am, is now closed. We're in lockdown again. Uh, but unfortunately, we don't really have a plan on oh when when are we going back but uh before before that we were pretty open and you could see people on the streets uh and i would say that it's pretty much a mix i think there's a lot of people that were kind of dressing as they used to dress which was a bit surprising for me uh as for other people there was a, a bit of a, an identity crisis that we noticed. People forgot how to dress. They were feeling weird when were, uh, they were dressed up when they were, or when they were uh, in formal wear. So uh, I saw people in athleisure to the office, which was before it was not, it wasn't accepted, but it was kind of weird. Um, and people are just trying to figure it out. I, I've noticed that women are wearing a lot less heels. I think they're not ready to put on some, some heels back on. Clearly, there are a lot of people out there looking forward to socialising again. Um, I know that uh, around New York Fashion Week, there were lots of there was a lot of talk about how we're going to go back and it'll be like the Roaring Twenties, and everyone's going to go crazy. Um, uh, but there's a big question mark right over party wear and occasion wear. It's been hit really hard by the pandemic and the fact that nobody's been going out. So. Um, I love that you touched upon this earlier, um, Sarah M, about these kind of diversion attitudes that are emerging here, which is the kind of super glam escapist uh, versus the comfy party. Can you talk a little bit, bit about that to us? Yeah, sure. Um, there will be both. Uh, the main direction at, at scale, at commercial level, will be uh, around the casualization of party wear. So, of course, um, high-low styling, um, more versatile items that offer better cost per wear. So, essentially, items that you can wear from day to night, um, indoors to outdoors, and also within a more casual context. Um, so, and also what I was saying before, the whole idea of like developing jerseys, so corsets and dresses that have that more formal appeal, but they retain that comfort. So we have quite a lot of trends around that, comfy party, high-low dressing, house party. But of course, many of us will also want to buy something that we haven't been able to get to get hold of until recent time, until now, something a bit more special. Uh, and that really celebrates that joy of dressing. And this is also, Beth, and geographically, it's really important because, you know, we have markets such as China and India, for example, they are really, they're recovering really strongly already. So things are going to play out differently depending on the regions as well. I know certainly among my um, age group, which is um, Gen X, uh, there's a lot of talk about people wanting to go out and get a gold pair of boots or a gold pair of shoes or just something that's just going to bring them joy. Um, 
that seems to be uh, and that goes anywhere right so i've just that done that cowboy amazing. boots actually got <laughs> gold cowboy boots so you know <laughs> brilliant um okay i mean sophia tell me a little bit about party wear in, in brazil and what what you can see happening there is it the same sort of casualization happening yeah yeah we do like to party down here so we definitely see the casualization of party wear uh especially within the younger generation so gen z And we noticed that people are not no longer saving items for like special occasions. They started to incorporate them into day-to-day styling, like Sarah said, through high-low compositions. So we expect to see that separates uh, will grow in importance in party in party wear as well. And I think there's a lot of people that miss dressing up to go out. We just had our carnival canceled, which is a huge celebration here in Brazil. Uh, so people want to have more fun with fashion again. Uh, so I believe that brands could really leverage that into their advantage. So Latin Americans can be very over the top when it comes to party wear. So it would be interesting kind of to see how this plays out in a more casual occasion. It's interesting. I was I was reading um, on our site about this sort of these uh, trends towards like cut out and subversive sexy and these sort of outfits that you can basically you could presumably could wear to work and then you whip off a jacket and you've got like a sexy back that's exposed i mean that's something right sarah m that we're seeing more and more sort of hidden details that are sexy and things yeah yeah absolutely we are seeing that sassier aesthetic it's also more flattering on screen if we continue to think about above the keyboard dressing it kind of it's a little bit more flattering a bit more put together but in general we are seeing a lot of experimentation with um uh, cutouts and pattern play um to kind of uh, you know a new take on on classic silhouettes And what um, are we seeing? What are we tracking there with uh, data, Sarji? What's the picture looking like with the casual versus flamboyant? Um, yeah, I think this is a big, difficult question um, from a data perspective. I mean, we've seen on the catwalk both ends, um, leggings, t-shirts, sweatpants, but equally these more occasion-led styles, particularly in London and those kind of um, more like party-led details. Um And also on social media, mentions of escapism and party are also up at the same time as like sweatpants and stay at home. So there's so many unknowns and uh, confounding factors here that, um, yeah, what I can say is that we'll be tracking this very closely through different lenses um, and make sure that we can anticipate the change. And it makes it tricky for retailers, I mean, to sort of really be prepared for this sort of disparity and this sort of demand fluctuation I, I wonder um I don't know if that's a bit of a tricky question but is any ideas about really how to advise on, on that Sarah M would you would you just sort of say be aware that there's going to be this great dichotomy and you need to serve both customer yeah I mean absolutely I think it's going to be as Sarah said at the beginning that soft spot that that balance will be absolutely key so the narrative around more kind of familiar and practical product and comfort will continue but it's going to be key you know it's going to be very important to also address that post vaccine mentality um, as well We discussed in episode 20 uh, the retail and omnichannel future in our podcast and um, we talked a lot about that, about how 
how people, consumers will feel in the future will really impact purchasing decisions, which is something we've also covered in our future Consumer 2023 white paper, which is um, out now, actually. Uh, So I wonder, Sarah M, how you think the consumer mindset might differ in this post-COVID global recession, because it is different from the 2008 global recession, which presumably we know we have some data on some information, uh, WGSN. So how do you see that sort of affecting the consumer mindset, this different recession? Well, there will certainly be some similarities um, because we are going into a mega recession and so there will be that kind of post-recession mentality, recessionary mentality. So the rise of stealth wealth, what happened in 2008, the the rise of stealth wealth, so people didn't want to brag about their wealth. um, So that, you know, that idea of minimalism, uh, of more practical and functional product, understated details, if we think about it, you know, Celine's Phoebe Philo's Celine minimalism was really at its peak. Um, and it also back then, it really, there was the, the, the boom in athleisure. That's when it really started and clean eating because as priorities and, cha- and tastes change, so did the status symbol and the spending. So we have a similar scenario here in a sense that we have this big recession coming and, you know, people will be more cautious with their spending, particularly Gen Z. We've called it, you know, it's been called the recessionary generation. Um, but also what's similar is that the priorities towards wellness and, and well-being are also there. So... What we also have this time is that the consumer is a lot more sensible to, um, to sustainability and overproduction, which we didn't have. It wasn't as pronounced back in 2008, 2009. So as I was saying, that narrative around simple silhouettes, timeless, seasonless, the idea of a wardrobe, modular wardrobe is going to continue. However... The key difference here is that last time we didn't have a massive pandemic that kept us confined to our homes wearing sweatpants for months and months on end. So the escapism aspect uh, will be 100% there. And we talked about special product, but the most commercial um, interpretations will be through color and print. We've been talking about the power of print. They will be key differentiators, but in general, um, that would be the main difference uh, from, uh, from the 2008 recession. I think that's really interesting about the stealth, stealth wealth with um, luxury. I've, I've been reading about um, an awful lot about how that's going to be demonstrated through fabric and um, people want that cossetin, that tactile. They want to be enveloped in, in, in lovely, um, rich, soft fabrics. Um, and obviously with the sustainability factor as well, presumably you're going to see lots of innovation with um, those luxury brands, making sure supply chains are sort of coming through as well as creating these um, beautiful, soft um, fabrics that people are just going to feel sort of safe in, really, I guess. I suppose the other difference is that we have a she session in that COVID did affect the female workforce uh, more than uh, the male, which is very, very different from other previous recessions. So I'm thinking presumably the, the value market, if you like, in fashion has also got a huge sort of opportunity there to try and meet those consumers that are going to be uh, have much less money to spend, basically. So I guess that's where we come in with the, the modular and the cross-functional clothing and that kind of thing, right? Yeah, and this idea, as I was saying earlier, of like, you know, product that is more functional, dual function product, cost per wear, all of that 
is is going to remain uh, really really important because people are going to be more cautious with their with their money. If I can just um, jump in real quick, so for Latin, there there's some data data points that Latin will be the region that will be the most affected by the COVID crisis. So uh, what Sarah M is saying about having things that are dual function, even when we talk about party wear and comfort wear, it makes sense because. I need to be able to buy something that I will not only wear to one occasion or one type of occasion. Um, so this is, I just wanted to add in that this is something that is crucial for Latin brands to offer, like really make clear that that outfit can work for different occasions and they have different properties to it. I think we want to go in now to the sort of final segment of uh, the podcast, which to talk about the outdoors, really. And I, I can see this behaviour sticking. I mean, if I think about the the growth in park life, I mean, uh, you walk around at the weekend, it's the closest you can get to a scene in any sort of urban uh any city I think around the world at the moment and there are also big shifts happening in urban policy uh, recently Stockton on Tees in, in the north of England they're building a riverside park instead of a retail park so I think we're going to continue to embrace this outdoor living even though uh, presumably we think some aspects of life are going to return to, to sort of normal so how's that impact in fashion I have been trying to get a pair of wellies for the last few weeks and they're just sold out um, but what do the figures say on this uh, Sarah G, if I can come to you, what are people buying right now? And and with this sort of outdoor shift, what do you, do you see that sort of continuing? Um, yeah, definitely. I think um, the outdoor trend is um, something we've been talking about uh, for a little while at WGSN, and um, we recently saw you know both consumers and retailers putting a new emphasis on these um, outdoor products from outerwear to accessories and also like technical properties. And, um, you know, this links back to the the overall, like the wider trend of self-care. And um, we also saw, you know, mentions of hiking and walking that have been in continuous growth for the past months and, and even consumers searching for easy hikes near me. Um, and yeah, we for example, we recently worked on a report called Brands to Watch and uh, we've seen... Uh, outdoor brands being added to the portfolios of high-end luxury retailers, indicating that it kind of it has this luxurious appeal as well, and uh, an indicate, indication that, you know, it's likely to continue and there will be innovation going on in that space. Yeah, I mean, clearly, I think if I think about um, the sort of top 1% uh, who are now not able to sort of jet off and go on on fancy holidays at the moment um presumably there is a huge opportunity there to have them kitted out in top notch outdoor wear so that sounds like that's what what retailers and brands have been um jumping on which is very wise um should we go to you Sophia and, and see if if that's the same uh for you yeah with sort of outdoor wear so um there are a lot of people that want to travel of course but the borders of Brazil are pretty much closed so there's a huge increase in local tourism which in Brazil especially means going to different beaches mainly because we have a huge coast uh, so that can lead to an increase specifically in categories such as swimwear or vacation wear. And even if um, if we talk about going to the countryside and taking hikes, which did increase, we see we saw increase, for instance, in the search for motorhomes. Uh, here in our region, it's usually associated to hiking to a waterfall. 
So there's still this factor of swimwear embedded in it. And I believe there's still, there's a great opportunity for brands to tap into this outdoor uh, necessity of the consumers because not a lot of brands here tap, tap, tapped into this market. Great. That's really good advice. And and just um, finally with you, Sarah, M, what new categories have you seen sort of emerging here? Are there, have there been sort of new things happening for to cater this outdoor lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is huge, uh, absolutely huge. There's been so much hype around outdoor wear in general, you know, the hike beasts uh, and that potential of kind of becoming the new streetwear. If we look at the Gucci uh, and North Face collaboration, for example. So it's going to create real, real opportunities for brands. And as you said, it's here to stay. Um, even when we are going to travel, it doesn't matter. I think people have really seen, you know, realized the benefits of being outdoor and out, of being in, in open air. So we've been talking loads at WGSN of the concept of uh, Friluftsliv, uh, which is trans translated from Norwegian as open, open air living. Uh, and it's kind of the latest Scandinavian concept set to reach, I, I suppose, the same popularity as Hegge. By the way, sorry to any Scandinavians in the audience <laughs> that I'm completely mispronouncing. Um, but it's really about it's not so much, this is what's key here. It's not necessarily about active wear, right? It's about embracing outdoors driven lifestyles. Um, that, so that means, you know, think about how that mindset will impact future ranges. For fashion, this can include everything from blanket capes for alfresco dining, um, to rainproof coating, cozy knitwear. So it doesn't, and as Sarah was saying, um, fabric innovation, embedded properties. So it doesn't have to be just, you know, active wear in the sense how we know it, but there are opportunities across, you know, outdoor proof clothing beyond outerwear as well confident layering, detachable components. If we are going to spend more time outdoors from socializing to partying uh, to, you know, going for a hike, we are going to want more options. You know, it's not just about heavy coats and, uh, and uh, active wear. Thank you so much to Sofia Martinelli, Sarah Gasper and Sarah Maggioni for talking with me on today's show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please subscribe to the show, which is available on all major podcast platforms. If you really like what you've heard, then please leave us a rating and review it on iTunes. If you're interested in what we've been talking about today, then please head over to wjsn.com to find out how you can get access to all of our insight and analysis. We're constantly publishing new content around how we can design a better, brighter future for our industry. Thanks again to our guests this week. And I'd also like to thank our podcast producer, Roland Bodenham. And again, thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks for the next episode. So until then, stay well, well-dressed and healthy, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.